You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. And gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, continuing on with the sort of recap of yesterday and whatnot, we got PFF grades, got some comments over on the Patreons, and um, probably continue on with a couple of the press conference things that are, you know, that happened. I do want to start with uh, Patreon, though. I asked for some. Thoughts on the game yesterday. Aaron says, The game was all around good, not great, but good. If we can tune up uh, the mistakes and inconsistencies, Lazard stopping on a route, Watson knowing when to turn his head, etc., we'll be set going forward. It was awesome to see the run game used properly. Dobbs is still the dude. Nixon is the dude. Good game. Just clean up the fundamentals and details going forward, and what we saw last night can be enough. And that was more or less my larger takeaway. It was a perfect game, just not to the level that you want. I know that doesn't seem like it makes a lot of sense, but perfect in terms of there wasn't anything that was just at a zero. Everything was okay. Offense was good. Rodgers was good. The receivers were good. The running backs were good. The offensive line was good. The defense, the defensive line, the edge, the line, everything all the way across the board. Special teams, the kicking, the returning, the blocking, the tackling, everything. Everything was at least good. But nothing was really quite good enough. Aside from maybe special teams, Keyshawn Nixon in particular, most things could have probably gone up a notch or two. And so I think that is the larger takeaway, which I'm fine with, because it was all the what the heck is going on stuff that's been the problem. If everybody's doing their job, it's just a matter of we just need guys to do a little bit better. I'm, I'm more than happy with that. Gary says, a lot of hopeful sparks. I'm encouraged by Rogers' attitude after the game. They're still having fun. Great to see Preston and Kenny make some great plays. Nice to still be in the hunt. That does seem to be the case. I mean, I was even thinking with Rodgers trying to get Watson a touchdown, it does feel like he's just kind of having fun, which is kind of his whole general demeanor. And I know he still got the, gets angry after certain plays. That's the competitive nature. But it just seems like he's got sort of a different demeanor as an older guy now, which is, you know, football should be fun. And we get down to the goal line. It's not you know, hyper-analytical or whatever. It's, you know what, let's get Watson one here. Steve says, I agree with what Aaron stated. I do believe, however, that from a business perspective, the Packers need to play love to find out for sure what he is and to allay concerns of the base. Nothing worse than going into next year with one, Aaron Rodgers still holding the team hostage, two, not knowing if you've got a good quarterback in love and uh, or not, and three, possibly pissing off love enough that he wants to leave us with a mess at draft time. I can see it now. Love demands a trade. Rodgers decides to retire. We get to draft a complete unknown and screw it the next year uh, or five. We will never learn. Will we never learn? There, There is a lot of that just feeling like we're in tentative waters here. I mean, we're, we're kind of just closing our eyes and forging ahead, which so far is fine. And maybe next year it'll be fine. But it's like we're walking a tightrope here with... The quarterback situation, you know, again, the offensive line and, you know, Amos and Jones and Savage, and there's just so, you know, Elton Jenkins and Bakhtiari and Devondre, Razul, like who stays, who goes, how do you handle these situations? How do you handle contracts? Do we continue to push some of these out or do we say enough is enough? 
that'll all have implications about the quarterback thing. So do you wait on that or do you commit to one or the other or what do you do? do, 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 do? It's tough. It's tough out there for a player. You know what I mean? Gutekunst. But uh, just have to sit back and trust that it all figure it out. I mean, I'm, I've kind of given up on the whole Jordan Love thing. That's just not really going to be a thing. It's really not. And I don't mean the future or him being a good football player or whatever. I just mean I'm, I've given up on him having any significant amount of, of time playing or whatever uh, this year. Now, to be clear, we actually can be eliminated next week. Um, my concern is we could lose one and still be in contention. If we lose to Miami, there are, there are scenarios um, in which we can be eliminated. In fact, um, it looks like all it'll take is Washington winning. If Washington wins and we lose, we're done. Uh, if Seattle wins, we're not completely eliminated, but we're, it's just about game over at that point. So it is getting into kind of tentative territory. Um, so it's possible that we could be more or less eliminated. I hate the more or less thing if we lose and, and, you know, let's say Washington also loses to the 49ers, which is likely, um, but Seattle wins. We're sitting at a 0.3% chance of, of being in. I mean, it's, it's over, you know? But again, I, I don't, I kind of at this point don't think we lose to Miami. Uh, even if we do, I think it's more than likely we still have some kind of a chance to go on. And so that would mean Rodgers will play against Minnesota. And at best, at that point, um, Love gets one game against Detroit. And and I kind of think if I had to guess, that's what it's going to be. Love is going to get the one game against Detroit. Feels like that's what it's always been set up to be. Again, the slim chance that we're eliminated and we get to see two games, but that's at most. I would say more likely we see one. Um, also entirely possible we just don't see any because, you know, Gutekunst has said we're always going to put our best guy out there and blah, blah, blah. So I don't know. But I've kind of just given up on the we need to start love thing because the reality is we're we're all we're on a mini run here. Even if the odds are low, I think we're at 8% right now. Um it is what it is, and if we win this game coming up, our odds go up to 22%. If Washington loses, it goes up to 24%. If Seattle loses, it goes up to 25%. Looks like about the highest I can get us. So, I mean, the, the lowest is we're eliminated. The highest, depending on how things go, we're talking about a 27% chance. So, I mean, it's it's one in four. Um, if we beat the Minnesota Vikings, it jumps us up to beyond 50%, and that's just in that game. That puts us at 57%. Get almost up to 70% after the week 17 matchup. So I don't know, man. We just got to see how things pan out. But, you know, again, I I wouldn't uh, get my hopes up for seeing Jordan Love anytime soon. We can keep talking about it, but I've been saying that for like five weeks now. It hasn't happened. We we pretty well know that it's not going to happen. Anyways, I want to finish out... um, this at least the press conference with Rogers um, had a couple more questions for him. I like this answer from him at being asked, you know, we've talked to you about replacing Devonte. Do you think the four guys that you have now with Watson and uh, Dobbs and Cobb and Lazar, do you think that that's a winning combination? And you could just chalk it up to coach speak nonsense, but you know, Rogers, first of all, isn't really that guy, but beyond that, that's been a, a major point of emphasis, even with Devonte. of, we don't have the guys we need. We don't have the weapons. We don't have that. Um, so now he's being asked now that even without Devonte, do you have the guys that you need? Is this a winning combination? Yes, I think so. I really do. Um, because they just have such different skill sets. Um, you know, Christian obviously has incredible speed. Romeo's a real 
uh, quick twitch guy. Kabi has the savvy uh, to work uh, in the slot, and Allen does everything, you know, does everything well. He's a good route runner, catch the ball in his hands. He's a great blocker. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's a good, really good set of guys. I heard what you said. So, and, and again, it's, I, it's important to note that because Gutekunst, again, deserves a lot of credit for this. Not only did he not listen to anybody when they were screaming, get a first-round receiver, get a first-round receiver, get a first-round, oh, just constantly. Then he loses Devontae, which is you know not his fault, but it is what it is. Devontae's gone. Now what do you do? Well, we are however long into this season, and Rodgers is sitting there and very honestly answering, yes, we absolutely have the guys we need to win football games, the complementary skill sets, the explosiveness, the route running, all that. It's all there for us. That is a big deal. And I don't know how many people, even Gutekunst, give him give him five tries. You know, he's he's maybe going to get it once every five tries. This might have been a one in a one in fifty um, type of situation, even for Gutekunst to be able to pull off at the wide receiver position what he did, having just lost Devontae Adams. And then finally, last question. This one was about uh, Christian Watson not running the right route on that last play, and just some insights from Rodgers. Listen, he had a couple. He had a couple opportunities tonight where um, he just didn't do what he's supposed to do. So uh, that's going to happen. He's a rookie. He's had uh, an incredible stretch of games. He caught the ball again tonight really well. Um, we have a joke when we're watching film about doing the right thing. Do it if you want to catch touchdowns. Um, but. Uh, yeah, you know, a couple of good learning experiences for him, but he's such a great kid. You know, he just he really, really cares about it, and he's so damn talented. Um, so it was fun to, you know, we're all, I think the crowd does it too. <clears throat> when he gets the ball in his hands in space, everybody kind of starts to hold their breath because, you know, on that keeper right at him, everybody's thinking he's going to break that tackle and walk in the end zone and backflip, and that's the excitement he's brought to our football team. And guys like that and guys like Keyshawn now, you know, it's uh, – Exciting when you when they're kicking off now. I'm thinking, ah, bring that, bring it out. Yeah, bring it yeah, out. Right. Keep, you know, get some yards. And exciting when you're calling a play for nine and, and he's got an opportunity to catch the ball in space. I had made the comment yesterday because he brought up Keyshawn again. That's twice I think he's been unprompted brought up Keyshawn in the in the kick return stuff. Um I made the comment on the live stream yesterday, is this the most explosive player we have on this entire team? And I know the obvious answer is no, obviously it's Christian, but if you think about it, if, if you were to say just in any given snapshot, I'm going to take one play where Christian caught the ball and one play where Keyshawn caught a kick return, who do you think had a better, more explosive play on that one, just in that one instance? I would pick Keyshawn. Because Christian obviously is faster and he can do all these things, but most of the time he's going to catch it and go down. Keyshawn is to the point now where if you don't, if you don't include the, inter- the, the penalties... This guy is got to be 75% of the time he's at least doing above expectations. It's unbelievable what he's doing. But similar to what Roger's point is, regardless of who you pick, the fact that we have both of these guys now that are not just talented. You know, Aaron Jones is incredibly talented and has some explosive ability. And I think A.J. Dillon is talented and Dobbs is talented and, and Cobb and Lazard show flashes of, of real talent. But it's beyond that. It's it's sort of rare game-breaking ability. 
And it is really cool that we have that. And it does suck that the season's gone the way that it has and that we're kind of winding it down. And, you know, whether we stick with Rodgers or, or whatever the case may be, the fact that one way or another, this is kind of winding down, it does suck. Because it's like, we finally got what we've always wanted. We finally got the Christian Watson we've been begging for. We finally got the Keyshawn Nixon we've been dreaming of. And it's like, yeah, well, it's a, it's a losing season and da 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 If anything, this is, this is the biggest reason why you do root for a playoff push. Because despite the issues, this is one of the more just potent and well-rounded groups that we've had. Now, it sucks without Rashawn, and there's still big questions on defense, and there's still too many inconsistencies, and, and rookies not knowing what they're doing, and you know Lazard and Rodgers even not being on the same page, and even Cobb has had some drop issues, and just rare things like that. So you don't trust it. But you also feel like we have a rare opportunity with, with having weapons and tools that we just have not had in the past. And we may not have another opportunity in the future, depending on if, you know, Rodgers comes back and da-da-da-da-da-da. So as much as we may want a cool draft pick, which we're probably not going to get anyways, I mean, at this point, honestly, what is the best pick we're going to get even if we lose out? If we go, what, 6-11? and 11, I think maybe, maybe we get a top 10 pick. But, I mean, at this point, again, really seeing it. It's one thing to just hope that we get in just for the sake of I just want to to want to. But it's another thing to say, man, we, we've really got some special stuff here, despite how bad things have looked. We still have Rodgers. I know he's been a little bit off, but he's still Aaron Rodgers. Watson and Dobbs, Jones and Dylan. The offensive line has looked better almost every single week, it looks like, even whether we have David Bakhtiari in, in or not. It was the best I've seen Quay. It was the best we've seen Devontae Wyatt. It was the best we've seen Amos in a long time. At least it feels that way, you know? And then, then having special teams, which was... I mean, we, we had the worst special teams I think I've ever seen in my life just as early as last year. And in one year, it's like, man, I love our special team. And that's not to say they're not going to have issues and missed field goals and missed extra points and block kicks and who knows what kind of little issues we're going to have here and there, but it's becoming one of the biggest strengths of our team. It's remarkable. And again, if we know that the end is kind of coming and, and maybe it's good, maybe it's bad, this new thing we're going to build. If we can find a quarterback or not, I don't know, but this is ending. What we have right now is, is going to end. Let's maximize it. Let's get whatever we can out of it. Can we beat the 49ers? I don't know. Can we beat the Eagles? Can we beat Dallas? I don't know. I mean, yes. Will we? Probably not. But will we get into the playoffs? Probably not. But why not freaking try? I mean, if, if we were talking about a top three pick, yeah, you know. <laughs> But we're talking about the difference between what? That if we if we lose out, we get pick 10. And uh, if we win out and don't get in, we get pick, what, 17, 18 at worst? Well, best and worst case scenario is between 10 and 18. Come on, who cares? Who cares? Who cares? 18 still a good pick. We can trade up into the top 15, no questions asked. Or we could trade back to where we usually pick and probably get another first round pick for next year or at least another second or something where we've gotten guys like Elton Jenkins and Christian Watson and A.J. Dillon. We'll be fine. It ain't that important. Again, top three pick? Okay, that's some Top uh, 15 compared to top 20? Nah, nah, it ain't that important. Anyways, I want to kick it over to uh, head coach Matt LaFleur and some of his thoughts. Here's what he had to say about Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. There's always opportunities. Yeah, I thought uh, Rome, again, just... It was great to see him back out there. You can certainly see his, his route running ability, um, how effortless it is when he catches the football. I think, uh, you know, we need to find ways to get Christian involved in the game earlier. 
you know, because he has such a big impact on the game. And I thought they did a nice job. They played pretty soft for, for you know, most of the game, trying not to give up those big plays down the field. And um, But both those guys, I just, they've got, uh, they've come a long way. But I still think there's a, there's much more in front of them. And so that's really, really exciting. I, I will say this too, with Christian Watson, another really exciting thing is, I had mentioned how, you know, we've got the layers. We've, we've got the line of scrimmage. We've got the intermediate. we got the deep shots and all that stuff. And, you know, if they're going to take away Christian, then we use Romeo and Aaron Jones and Lazard and everybody else. But I also think, similar to what Matt LaFleur said about how we got to get him, find ways to get him involved, I think that's true because Christian Watson can also be used just in that way. If you're going to take away Christian deep, we can use him in wide receiver screens. Now, yes, he does have to get his head around, but if it's designed ahead of time and he calls it in the play as opposed to a check, you know, or or, or the jet sweeps or just any any way to get him the ball in space, it doesn't matter what part of the field you do it. He's got that game-breaking speed. Now, he hasn't proven to be mega elite, obviously, aside from the 40-yard touchdown run, but that's the point. If the Rams are going to play off, throw him a screen. Because he can, that's what I said about Tyreek Hill. It's, it's damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because if you play him, if you press him, he's going to get behind you in one second and you're dead. If you're going to play soft and off, then you throw it to Tyreek immediately and he can steal six. These are the kinds of little things that I think you can do just with Christian Watson. If you're going to play off of Watson, then we'll just throw it to him and he'll steal some yards. And especially with the blocking that they do, you can get the tight ends, you can get Mercedes Lewis, you can get Alan Lazard and the rest of the guys involved as blockers. Um, and 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 still find ways so that Watson, not just the, I mean, the whole team, the the entire offense in general can do this, but to find ways for Watson in particular to where no matter what you do, we're going to find ways to get him the ball. We can use him to run, we can throw the the screens, we can do short passes, you know, just just get him coming across the middle. If you can hit him in stride as he's coming across the middle, I mean, there's there's a potential where if he can kind of get around a corner or get past one guy, he can kill you. And so I think that's an area where the Packers also need to to kind of expand, you know, is to build out their playbook around Christian Watson. I mean, with everybody, but that's that's the the great thing about him. He's not just a deep threat. He's a speed threat. And those are different things. Speed doesn't just go up and down, it goes left and right. And it doesn't start beyond 20 yards either. Anyways, uh Clayton just posted this in our group. This is from Jacob Morley. Um Aaron Rodgers was 7 of 7 for 91 yards and a touchdown when Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson were on the field together. That's especially remarkable when you factor in that Romeo Dobbs ran 10 routes. So I, I'm just saying, and, and yeah, I mean, part of that has to do with uh, how the Rams play or whatever, but uh, I, I do think that's the future. And Miami, Detroit, and Minnesota need to take notice of that because I think that's going to be a big thing going forward. What I want desperately is 30 apiece 30 apiece for Romeo no less than 30 routes run by by Romeo and Christian Watson and on the field together a lot it's just, it's just so I, I I'm really just upset that the season is coming to an end it's not even the fact that we're not going to get into the playoffs or anything I just I want to see more because it's just starting to come together you know what else is weird is as I'm sitting here thinking about it this this has to be one of the most enjoyable seasons I've had watching the Packers as bad as it's been you take these last five weeks. I just don't remember being this excited and having this much fun being able to root for, and, and maybe it's just because it's new, but 
Again, seeing the explosion in the run game, cheering for Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. I haven't been this excited about guys in such a long time. The way I free, I mean, I, I, I forgot that I was even excited about Quay Walker until I saw what he was doing yesterday. I lost my mind when he had that near pick, and then he has that big tackle for a loss, and then almost has another pick down by the goal line. Guys playing out of his mind, cheering and screaming for uh, Kingsley Inigbare and Devontae Wyatt, Keyshawn Nixon. It's just fun. And, and when you see the defense play the way that they played, even if you don't want to say that it was necessarily a great performance, just seeing how much they care and how much they want it and how much fire they had, the aggression and the violence, the great tackling, and Amos blowing up guys in the backfield. and It's just fun. It's just fun. I'm, I'm, I'm having fun, and I just don't want the season to end. Even if you told me, you know, if I could kill your playoffs right now, no chance you get in, but I'll give you seven more weeks to just watch this this level of play from the Packers. and what? Heck yes, I want that. I do. And I guess the good news is most of the guys that I'm super excited about, I mean, maybe all of them should be back next year. So, you know, if, if, <laughs> if they have a bad record, but you still get uh, this, this level of excitement, I guess I'll take it. Anyways, um, kind of all over the place. And we got to get back to Matt LaFleur. But I just saw this on Twitter as well. Uh, Ari Mirov says, Packers path to the playoffs. Uh, most of this is relatively well known, but I'll say it here: the Packers obviously need to win out. It's not debatable. Miami, Minnesota, Detroit, Seattle loses um, one of three. They have Kansas City, the Jets, and the Rams coming up. Uh, very, very, very unlikely that they win out, so they should lose one of three. So that's that's pretty much a done deal. Um, and then between Washington and the Giants, which I've been telling you are, are like the biggest two teams here. Um, either the Giants lose out against Minnesota, Indy, and Philadelphia. Indy's going to be the tough one. The Giants have been struggling, but they should be able to beat Indy, so that's not super likely. Or Washington loses two of three. They're going up against San Francisco, Cleveland, and Dallas. Certainly no guarantees there, but I do think they will lose two of three because I do think they're going to lose to San Francisco and Dallas. Um, so maybe, right? Seattle should lose one of three. Um, Washington probably will lose two of three on the off chance that they uh, they win two of these, which is entirely possible. There's also still the out of the Giants losing out. But again, Indy makes me nervous, although Minnesota does too, because whatever. But it's, it's fair to note that the Giants, two of their three are on the road. Unfortunately, the one that they're probably going to win, Indy, is at home. Uh, Washington has San Francisco on the road. Otherwise, Cleveland and Dallas are at home. Dallas makes me nervous because they're they're kind of on that fraudulent spectrum as well in terms of just every once in a while you look at them like what are you guys doing I know you're a good football team but what are you doing so I mean again it, it's it's an eight percent chance for a reason a lot of it having to do with the Packers' unlikely ability to beat Miami Minnesota and Detroit Miami's going to be tough especially on the road Minnesota is going to be tough because it's Minnesota and Detroit's going to be tough because Detroit's playing really well so I mean I'm I'm borderline putting each of these games around fifty percent. Um, which obviously mathematically puts us in a suboptimal <laughs> uh, spot. Uh, I skipped a couple, but the next one that I have queued up here is Matt LaFleur on A.J. Dillon. The broader question was, is this why you drafted him for this kind of football, especially in Green Bay in this weather or whatever? But it's always just good to hear him kind of brag on Dillon a little bit. So I thought um, I thought he was running hard. That first touchdown run was was indicative of the mentality and the play style that we want to have on offense just him lowering his pad level and guys competing and 
Um, the O-line, you know, getting in there late, pushing the pile, our receivers digging guys out. Uh, I thought just that, that was um, a great example of what we, what we needed to look like. So it, not only is it nice to hear bragging about Dylan, but to get his perspective on what kind of an offense he wants to have. Not that we didn't necessarily know it, but to hear it straight from Matt LaFleur in no, no uh, uncertain terms, um, the way that we want to play football is physical. We want to be big. We want to be strong. We want to be physical. Um, so even though we kind of assume, sometimes we assume wrongly, or sometimes, you know, the coach will come out and be like, well, you know, we need balance or whatever. No, he's, we want to be big. We want to be strong. We want to be physical. And that's what I want to see. Um, not just him getting his pad levels low and smashing into people, but seeing the wide receivers and tight ends and offensive linemen getting into that scrum and just pushing. So it, it is nice to hear, this is how we want to play football. Uh, Matt LaFleur was asked about Keyshawn saying, you know, obviously one of his returns was brought back, but what's it like having a guy like that on your team? Yeah, no, Keyshawn definitely been a difference maker for us. And I think that was pretty evident tonight, have, having multiple big plays on those returns. And he plays with, again, another guy that plays with the right mentality. It, it just He's going to go for it each and every time. And he, he's fearless. And you guys have seen that over the course of the season. And, you know, it's unfortunate. I know that, uh, you know, probably going to get criticized for not playing him early, and that's 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 fair. Uh, we should have had him in there earlier, and, and we didn't. I don't think we knew what we had. And uh, To be fair, granted Amari should have been out a long time ago, how in the world could anybody have known what Keyshawn was going to be? Again, I, I've said it before. He's been a returner in the past. He's never done anything as a returner. So, yeah, I mean, once once we said there was a period of time when when we saw him and it was like, what would I, I said it the first time I saw him return a kick. You could just see the explosiveness when he ran. I don't even think he got that many yards, but you saw it and just like, oh, dang, that looks different. You can just see it when a guy just takes off like a rocket. It just it's just, it just has a, a, a feel to it. But still, prior to that little window, um, Nobody in their right mind could have expected Keyshawn to be doing what he's doing. Um, you know, he's he's proven what he brings to the table. And so I just, you know, I can't say enough about what he brings to this team as well. Also, and I'm going to say the same thing that I've said now a thousand times, but can anyone explain to me why nobody cares about returners? Can anybody in their right mind explain that to me? I mean, the, the lack of respect given to returners. The Green Bay Packers started, it feels like, at their their own 50-yard line. I don't know how many times. Just, just in general, special teams. The fact that it gets no respect whatsoever. Punters, nobody cares. Kickers, nobody cares. Returners, nobody cares. Long snappers, holders, even gun. Field position is ridiculously important. If they have to start at the 10-yard line and we get to start at the 50, let's just pretend that's every time, wouldn't that automatically make you one of the hardest teams in the NFL to play. Why would you not want to build that? Why would you not want to have a top five special teams unit, especially since it's not going to cost you that much because nobody else cares. You can get top kickers, top punters, top long snappers, top, top guys that are just special teamers. And they don't even start going until like the fifth round. You, you get a guy that's a pure special team. We got, we got that in the seventh round. That was Tariq. When we got Tariq. It's like, well, he's just a special teamer. Okay. <laughs> I mean, why don't we just, we should just start in the sixth round. Just just go pure special teams, returners and everything else. I don't know, man. 
Um, why don't we Why don't we leave it at that? We'll take a break here. Um, we got the Pat McAfee show and PFF grades, and uh, I think that'll be it for today. But we'll take a break. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you'd like to support the podcast directly. Also, please remember Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry. If you'd like to uh, learn more about them, go to fertilegroundranch.org. Please consider supporting in any way that you can. We'll take a break and we'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. But I want to start with this because I, 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 I mentioned... Not very long ago, I don't remember if it was yesterday or if it came up today, but Rodgers twice brought up unprompted. Nobody asked him about the kick returner. Twice he brought up how excited he is for having a kick returner, like Keyshawn Nixon. This just started, right? The show just started. They're like, hey, big win. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, it sets us up for the future. We needed to have this one. We expect to win these, et cetera, et cetera. And then just out of nowhere, unprompted, here's what he has to say. Patty, you're being a, a teamer. Uh, I can't believe that we now have a returner who they kick the ball away from. That's incredible. I mean, what Keyshawn has done in the short amount of time, uh, Ty, you must be going as crazy oh as God. I am. Uh, how about you, hey, how about you jogging on the field to start a series and not leaving the coach's box and going left or deep right? You know, like, ah, oh, going back to the 10 because there's a holding penalty. Yeah. Great. Could have just had a touchback. Now it's like we're out at the 50. We've already picked up like two, three first downs. It is a weapon. And Basacha, have you seen? But he was striding out on that fucking sideline and almost tackled a guy. Incredible. Was he yeah, yeah. In sweats, I think. I think he had full sweats. Mm-hmm. He was sprinting down the sideline. It's a- I mean, but look at this guy. I mean, it's not like, look, it's tough. That's a tough, uh, you know, being on a kickoff team is tough. Uh, and you're not always going to get all your blocks, but he just ran around like four guys there and, and uh, started on the other side of the 50. It's it's pretty impressive. He had a bunch of great returns. I saw some we've had like nine. He's had eight 30-plus yard kickoff returns, and we only had nine like in the last three years or something crazy like that. So and he's only been doing it for, what, the last uh, – Eight or nine weeks. Did you? You probably like that tackle there, didn't you? Pat? Yeah. <laughs> I like the old submarine dive in there by the kicker. But also, did you see? I was just pointing out Basacha. Basacha's running down the sideline with him. Uh, he has to be elated because at the beginning there, yeah, you Where go, is play, play, play. Can you circle it? Can you Pause. circle it? Yeah. Right oh, there. there. <laughs> right there. And he had been sprinting literally down the whole sideline. <laughs> and then the pile gets over here, which it's, it's hard to tell when it's not video, but you should go watch it. They got it freeze framed. Um, from the other end zone looking toward right when the hit happens and Basachi is just screaming. Feels like the whole team gets 
It's a spark. You know, a yeah. big return is like an immediate juice. You guys have never had that. And at the beginning of the year, I don't think the Basach effect had fully taken place. It feels like you're in a good spot now in a, in a phase of the game that you haven't been for, what, like decades almost. Right, Aaron? Well, I would say the last time you felt really, really good about a returner back there was probably young Randall Cobb. Right. You know, his first game ever, he returned it like 108 for a touchdown. And, you know, Micah Hyde as well was a good returner for us. I think he returned a couple of punts for a touchdown. Uh, but kickoff return, man, that's been a long time. It really has. It's been a lot of like, no, 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 You know? And now it's like, bring it out, Keith. Bring it out. Come on. It's a weapon. Go ahead, AJ. Yeah, I mean, it's you can tell what Rodgers is. I mean, we've asked him about Christian, and he has nothing but positive things to say about Christian. He has nothing but positive say, things to say about Romeo, and he has brought up some things unprompted. Same with A.J. Dillon, same with Aaron Jones. He's done it, but three times, twice in one interview, and then unprompted the first time he has an opportunity to talk. And right now I got it paused. He is smiling from ear to ear just talking about Keyshawn. And, and I don't think he's the only one. I think the offense is pumped. I think the offense has been discouraged by the terrible special teams, um, the terrible field position, and now they get to start at the 50 and they have something to cheer for before they go out there is what um, Pat McAfee was just talking about. You know, you're used to having to trot your way back out to the 10. Now you're out to the 50 and, you know, it's, it's just, it's a spark, not just for the team in general or for whatever, but as an offense, you know, a lot of times, especially if we're talking kickoff, the other team just scored usually. I mean, it could be start of the game, could be after halftime, but otherwise... They just scored, so you're not feeling super great. It's almost like the first offensive play in a way. It's almost like a way to get momentum going on offense before the offense even has a chance to get on the field. Now, I know they squandered some opportunities, uh, which does suck, but it, it's just such an awesome thing to have, and I'm so glad we have it, and I hope it continues, and I hope that we never get away from this. I don't know why. I mean, we should be planning for the future. If Keyshawn Nixon starts to slip or if he gets hurt, we should have a contingency, but we should have a backup kick returner that is a stud. That would be like the third best kick returner in the NFL. I I I love good special teams, man. Next thing they ask about is the uh the hand signal thing. And it I, I think my favorite part of this whole thing is uh how sarcastic AJ Hawk is. He always is super serious. It kind of reminds me of like me in middle school and high school. That was always my sense of humor. I I'm always ex- extremely serious, but I'm always sarcastic. And so you either get it. Or you don't, and you think I'm just a complete jerk. But um, no, he he's entirely sarcastic. Although it sounds like he's being perfectly serious about it. Signals. There's a, there's a time in the game when you you <laughs> Pat's showing you right there. You might have been a bit, little bit upset. Obviously, great teammate, great leader. You guys like dapped it up right after that. Great teammate. What's going great on with leader. your hand signal? Like all your signals. How do you do that? Are you the only one that knows what's going on? They wrote up. They wrote a lot about this. They wrote so, a Pat, lot let me just tell you, let me tell you. I was made aware of that article. It is. By far the dumbest nothing burger article that I've read in the entire season. I won't say in my in my career because I mean last year there were some of the dumbest articles you possibly imagine. I can't. I don't know if you ever topped the COVID to a Wall Street Journal, but <laughs> this was the dumbest article of the year by far. Bro, how about when you put your so pinky much- toe as the? Oh yeah. yeah. I mean you put profile it photo. as your Twitter profile. <laughs> It's still up, by the way. It's yeah, still yeah. up. I believe, unless unless it's got taken down for some reason by Elon or uh, members of the FBI are trying to censor. Uh, it. Oh! <laughs> Twitter files, hashtag Twitter files. Of course, they are lit. It seems like Aaron has made his way over there <laughs> to read that. But nonetheless, the Nothing Burger article it it alleged uh, from anonymous sources, I believe, that you will use not anonymous. All the names are in there. 
signals from years before, like two, three years ago, and none of the wide receivers know what it means. The young guys specifically don't know what it means. And then they get, like, accosted for not knowing what it means when you never taught them that. And, like, last night was a perfect indicator of, like, you doing one, perfectly timed after the article comes out, and then didn't work out. So I, how many do you have? And how is every word in that article do you have? Because you have to change your signals a lot. I hate having to go back and bleep, so I'm just going to do it now. Because it takes me five minutes to find it. All right, let's try again. Pat. I would assume, right? Don't you have to change them a lot? 95% of the article is absolute complete. Okay. Dang it. Right. And the other 5%, the other 5% is exaggerated nothingness that, I don't know, like having guys, uh, you know, go through the signals each week and, and understand what the possible signals could be. So the way we do it now is that Jordan uh, makes up a list of the signals that we're going to have that week that are possible, and then he, he calls. I've allowed him to do this. I used to do this when I was a backup as well. And he calls like three or four guys up there to, to you know go through, and he picks on one of them. Hey, you know, what's the signal for this? What's the signal for this? And it might be nerve-wracking the first time you do it, but listen, every signal that's used in the game is probably used in practice that week. And there's hardly any signals that are ever... You know, it's not, it's not like there's that many signals. There's some signals in the two-minute. I think the entire season, we've maybe missed one or two signals on the year for the entire season. So it's not it's not hard at all. Like, the fact that this is made to be a story, like I said, is the most ridiculous nothing story that I've read the entire year. And that's saying a lot. You said exaggerated nothingness, one of the, one of the most profound... <laughs> Uh, statements I've heard from you and stuff. That was an incredible way to describe something. I don't think. Oh, we oh we have signals for our offense that we expect you guys to know. Oh, and then there was something about that it's not written or it's not like uh, stored anywhere. There's not a file. Yeah, what's that oh, about? Shit. I don't know what that. That's just completely ridiculous. Trip. You don't have it in the cloud. Now, now, have there been certain coaches who are afraid to teach young guys signals who might not be in the roster later? You know, once once mm, the strategy happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that that seems like a normal thing, but are the signals you know used uh, throughout training camp, throughout the you know preseason, throughout the week in practice? Yeah, are they difficult? No. I was told. So, anyways, um, again, the, the the article and and this is when it first came out. I wanted to give my instant reaction: is there's not a lot here that's super interesting. However. What did we know? According to these guys, it's the worst thing that the wide receivers have to go through. They hate it, right? Maybe that's a lie. I don't know. Um, again, not unnamed sources. They all put their name in the article. Um, I don't know about the older calls or whatever that's all about. I think that was a... And, 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 and this is just to kind of support the writer a little bit. The writer is just quoting guys. So if former players are just lying about stuff, then that's just, I guess, what it is. But it is, it is a little, um, even as someone that thought the article was a little bit ridiculous, it is funny to have Rodgers come out and say, that's a lie, this is not hard to figure out, and then see Christian Watson get a signal and not know what to do. Especially since that's, I think, the third time I remember that specific play happening where there's, there's a check at the line twice to Christian, once to Romeo, and I think it was the same, similar kind of a, a, a route, and they just were not ready for it. They weren't looking the right way. So, you know, I, I, again, I don't think this is unusual. I do think it's probably more complicated than Aaron Rodgers wants to make it out to be. 
even if he thinks it's stupid that anybody would complain about the level of complexity. Like, oh, freaking boo-hoo, suck it up and learn how to do your job. I get it. I get it. But I think he might be downplaying it just a tad. Because <laughs> I do think the guys are struggling a little bit. And it, it, look, it's, it's hard. And we, we, we know this. Matt LaFleur's offense, you got to learn that. But everybody knows coming in, and this is what Randall will tell you, there's a second offense, and that second offense is Aaron Rodgers' offense. And then there's all the checks and signals on, on top of everything. It's tough. But, you know, as people have pointed out, this is what makes Aaron Rodgers Aaron Rodgers. This is what makes an Aaron Rodgers offense an Aaron Rodgers offense. And it's not going to change, and guys just got to get up to speed, period. Because he's going to do it a lot. He's, if he sees things, and he's going to see a lot of things, because he's got a lot of experience, He's going to make some changes, and he's going to make some adjustments. And again, on that last, on that last play, second to last play, whatever, before the kneel downs, Rodgers made an adjustment for Christian. And, you know, again, that's what's going to motivate Christian to get to know these things, because I'm going to use it specifically to get you a touchdown, dummy, so go figure it out. So, I don't know, I think he's being a little harsh, but at the same time, the article is being harsh to him, so he has every right to to lash back out, I guess. I don't know. I think the whole thing is kind of dumb. It was an, it was an interesting insight to a couple different things. Um, I didn't really realize that that's how they went about doing stuff. I always hated the calling on people thing. I think that's dumb to begin with, but whatever. It doesn't sound like it's a thing Rogers instituted. It sounds like a thing that was he had to do, and now he's having his protege do it. And it is funny, too, because he goes on to make this comment here about Christian Watson and how play was for him maybe i should have just given it to randall in the huddle and uh the you know it was kind of called for christian to touch maybe i should just switch in and uh had randall do it because randall obviously knew what the signal was oh now everybody <laughs> so again it's he didn't understand the signal that's kind of the point of it i guess but whatever um i do i also think um officiating has been it was a big issue yesterday and i i i, I hate to complain in a loss and i i generally don't like the you know complaining about the referees thing, but some of that stuff in that game was was beyond annoying. Um, and one of the things that was referenced, because he's asking Aaron Rodgers about, you know, what should we do about refereeing? Why aren't they full-time? Brought up Terry McLaurin, and I didn't even see this thing with Terry McLaurin. I don't know if you did or not, but apparently McLaurin lined up where he always lines up. He says he thought he was on the ball. Looks over at the ref and asks him, like, am I good? And the, the ref says, why don't you move up a little bit? So he moves up a little bit, looks at him again, says, am I good? And apparently, according to McLaurin, he said, yeah, you're good. And then immediately after snapping the ball, the guy throws his flag, saying that he, he it was uh, illegal formation. You had, um, who is this? This is Gruden. Jay Gruden was asked about it. He says, uh, I don't know what I would have done. I might have run across the field and tackled that referee. I don't understand how you make that call. It's the worst call I've seen. To make that call in that part of the game, that referee should be suspended, in my opinion. That's a horrible call. I think it took a touchdown, probably a game-winning touchdown, off the board. Especially a guy like Terry, he said. He's been lined up there all game. He lined up in that same formation probably 25 times throughout the course of the game. He's standing right in front of him. He pointed at the ground twice. I mean, come on, you don't throw a flag in that situation anyway, uh, ever. So that was brought up in reference to how bad the referees have been. And I do think they have been abysmal, not just for the Packers, but again, or, you know, against the Packers. Um, and uh, all across the league, every single game you watch, it's like, come on, man, you can't call that. But I think the call that brought back that return was insane. Yes, he did have a shoulder hooked. I, I get it by the letter of the law, but we've got to have some common sense to say that that wasn't even 
the guy was never in position to make a tackle. You can't do that. Not throwing the flag on, on Jalen Ramsey is insane to me. Um, but anyways, here's what Rodgers had to say about the refing issues. No, think about it in 2012. You know, we had the, they had the chance to after we had that. Talking about full-time staff for referees. Absolute fiasco with yeah. the replacement. Refs. That's right. They had the, they, they had the chance to, to fix all that. Uh, you know, I think it comes down to. That's 10 years ago. Yeah, it comes down to the one thing that runs the whole league, right? That almighty dollar. Oh, they're making. Which is crazy to me. And I, he's about to say this, but the amount of money they're making. Come on, dude. What, what are we talking? Like 2%, not even, of the revenue to, to, to get some full-time referees? You, you could create an entire refing department. You could have a, a refing office somewhere with full-time refs that you know throughout the season are practicing and learning and studying and testing and we could get this figured out man it's never going to be perfect because they're human beings but some of this is so stupid making enough aren't they are we making enough we're making we'll make more we'll make more money with how if they better the game better it'll grow the game bigger it'll make it more legit it make everything will get better i think if you get a better uh right if you build it they will come i feel like is the mindset in this particular case and I don't know if that's that's going to be the greatest sell in the world, but it is is worth considering. I mean, I I don't think there's going to be people that are going to start watching because of the the refing got better. But um, you should want to put out a good product. You make more than enough money. I mean, but yeah, I I think Goodell realizes that the people that are watching aren't going to stop watching, and we don't need to pay full time refs to give us you know sixteen, seventeen, eighteen days of their nineteen whatever uh, days in a season. To which I say, oh, freaking well. <laughs> oh, well. I mean, I know the NFL doesn't pay the announcers. You know, the guys on like CBS or NFL or Fox or whatever. Um, but, I mean, these are guys that nobody even likes that are making millions. Could you cut a couple million dollars for an entire refing department for the year? I think you could figure that out, man. I think, I think the TV revenue and everything, I think, I think you'll be all right. I think you'll survive it. Anyways, a little bit later after talking about David Bakhtiari's belly button, um, asking about kind of a broad question because uh, Pat McAfee has no ability to just ask a question and leave it. He's got to ask seven questions and then keep talking for a half hour. Anyways, um, he asked about A.J. Dillon. He asked about Romeo Dobbs. He mentioned young guys, uh, kind of a potpourri thing. I think that's definitely uh, safe to say. Uh the young guys stepping up more, I think, is what he's referring to, the last part of the question. I was really proud of Aaron Jones because Aaron kind of got banged up on the touchdown catch where he dove in the end zone, kind of got hit uh, a little low. So there was talk he might not actually come back in the game. Then A.J. gets dinged, and you know, here's Jonesy coming back in the game. Uh, it just shows his toughness. I thought Patrick Taylor came in did a nice job for us as well. Uh, yeah. With a few carries. I like um, PT. But, yeah, Dobbs coming back was good. You know, like I said, I, I love the way he catches the ball with his hands. I think there was a couple, uh, you know, catch and runs that, you know, he's just kind of getting he's getting back into it. So, uh, you know, I think he maybe left a you know a little bit of yardage out there. But uh, but I like the way he runs his routes. I like the way he catches the ball with his hands. And, and uh, really fun having 87 back. And then everybody else, you know, just kind of did their job. I felt like uh, all the roles that uh, that are we expect our guys to play, uh, they did well. Big Dog had a you know nice little catch on a on a keeper, and then obviously dominated line scrimmage as he always does. Um, you know, Allen super unselfishly blocked, and 
uh, block for us as he always does. Cobby had a couple couple nice catches uh, third down for us. Uh, so you know it's a very soft defense. A lot of a lot of quick. Anyways, we heard him talk about the soft defense yesterday. Um, he definitely doesn't. He's 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 letting us know what he thinks, right? We ask specific questions, you know, about what do you think about Dobbs, and it's like, well, you know, he's really annoyed that he he didn't get more yards after the catch. He slipped like twice, and then there was the screen where he wanted him to beat a guy and get down the field, and the first guy hit him, right? He just kind of stood there. Um, Christian, he was upset about you know making some mistakes and not running the right routes and whatnot. But boy, Keyshawn Nixon, <laughs> let me tell you about the heck guy. Now th- there is also the. The thing he mentioned a couple weeks ago about not wanting to praise the young guys too much or put too much on their plate by setting the expectations too high. So I think he's being honest about what he's saying, but I also think we've kind of reached the end of him uh, praising too much. He even kind of chastises himself saying that he he did that a little too much and it puts too much pressure on him and he doesn't want to do that. So um, he'll say good things, but I think there's going to be a limit to how much praise he's going to hand out to Dobbs and Watson in particular. Is that about his thumb? His thumb. Thumb's better. Thumb's a lot better. It uh, uh, doesn't uh, doesn't give me uh, the same issues it was it was before. The week off was, you know, I kind of talked about it for a while and hoped that I maybe would get over the thumb before the bye week. But the bye week definitely got the thumb where it needed to be, and uh, the ribs felt better. It took some shots, but uh, but feeling good. I'm not sure what AJ's status will be uh, coming up because he did get dinged and Jonesy. But uh, we're gonna need everybody for uh, for Sunday. All right, so he's he's doing good, and it doesn't look like he's taking a step back at all. But we'll have to see. My thought, honestly, with the thumb in particular, is that if it's broken, it probably does feel good to get a week off. But when you start using it again, you know, you're throwing in a game, your hands probably getting beaten, battered, and hit, and then you go to practice, and you're practicing. You probably get a day or two off or whatever, but you're gonna continue to practice. I think it'll probably start to devolve again. I don't. I mean, it clearly didn't heal. It's not fixed. Just got a little time off. Um, Rogers also made a comment, kind of talking about the playoffs. They were bragging about the 49ers and all that, but um, it's kind of the point that I made about how everything seems kind of close together. Uh, here's what Rogers had to say about the NFC in particular. The NFC, I think, is is really wide open. I know Philly's 13 and one, um, you know, uh, but San Fran's won six in a row. Obviously, Minnesota coming off, you know, a crazy uh, all time comeback there. They're super talented. Um, you know, then you got Tampa and three, five, and nine teams, you know, going for the South. Um, and Tampa, you know, again, they get in, they still have a, you know, high caliber defense. It's still got Tommy, you know, who knows what could happen with that. You got maybe a five seed in, in, in Dallas, the way it is right now, who's, you know, got a ton of talent on both sides of the ball, but, you know, has gotten beat, uh, you know, by some teams with losing records, including the, the G and G. Um, and then who knows what's going to shake out in six and seven? But I feel like anybody can beat anybody on, on, in the NFC. The G and G. <laughs> I knew that's Green what he was getting gold. hung up on. Green and gold. Anyways, um, no, but that's that's sort of the that's sort of the weird thing about it, right? You look at it and you say, okay, well, Philly's the best team in the NFC. Then it's the Vikings. Then it's Dallas. Hmm. 49ers might be the best team in the NFC. Tampa is is in the mix now because they're they're super legit and scary. Um, I don't know if Minnesota is in the top two, three, four, five. Uh, Eagles are still very good, but you know there's still those question marks after that. You know, getting 
shaken up by by the Bears. Like, are 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 you good? Um, Dallas is kind of similar to Minnesota, where they're very volatile. I mean, they'll they'll obliterate you, but they'll also just randomly lose one that doesn't make any sense. So yeah, and 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 maybe the Packers aren't completely in that mix, but I know that they can be. And if they continue to win and continue to grow, I don't know where they fit in that mix. Obviously, if they beat Minnesota and they beat Detroit, I would say they have a pretty healthy mix. But I, I, I would agree. And I, and I think if you look beyond the records, um, I think the NFC's ranking looks a lot different than people would expect, which is somewhat unfortunate because I'm so sick of Tampa and I'm so sick of the 49ers and I'm sick of all these teams. I was like, you know what? Give me Philly and, and you know I don't want Minnesota, but at least it's different teams and the really good teams suck. And all of a sudden, they're just like, oh, we figured it out. We're good now, which is what I want the Packers to do. That'd be great. Another big narrative that's been going on here that uh, Pat touches on, uh, I'll just play the whole question out, but um, this has been kind of a big question because Rodgers talked about it a little bit, but good to get some further clarification. Aaron would like for the young weapons to prove that they could be somebody he can grow with, and that will affect his decision going forward. Is that real? Was that ever something? Did you say that? And have you felt that at all with the young weapons you have without Devontae this season? That's fake news, Pat. Okay. All right. <laughs> Never would have guessed it. Never would have guessed it. I, 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 honest, I read that, and I was like, that makes sense. But is there any thought of that at all? Is that going to anything? I think it's fake news that I'm, like, you know, going to, you know, I'm, I'm, like, judging the progress as to, you know, whether or not I want to come back. Listen, <laughs> um, I, I really enjoy being a part of uh, – you know, their rookie season and being able to hopefully have an impact on them and, and the conversation that we've had and being a part of like watching Christian and I'm not taking any credit for this, but just being a part of being on the field, giving him the football, watching his confidence grow and watching Romeo Dobbs become a player and throwing Samari Toure, his first touchdown was awesome in Buffalo on Sunday night football. You know, it's just a cool moment to be a part of. Um, but my decision will come down to, you know, mentally where I'm at physically, how I'm feeling. And then, uh, you know, encompassing uh, the uh, the enormity of, of another grind and, and then committing to that and moving forward or stepping away. Um, but listen, I mean, obviously you're looking at the team and, and who's going to be there, but, uh, you know, I feel like, you know, as long as I've been there, we've been able to, to do things with a number of different players and make things work. And uh, you, there's excitement around anytime young players start to step into their own and find their confidence. But for me, it's just going to be my own personal decision of where I'm at mentally and physically. All right. So it, it's one of those things where he did say it, and that's where it comes from, that it is going to be a part of it. But we take that and we run with it and we get a little crazy with it. Um, as I've said a thousand times, I believe Rogers when he says he doesn't know if he's coming back. And, and that's going to be true when the season is over. Um, it's going to be true for some time. I, I, I just, I, there's so many narratives about, you know, it depends on his relationship with Gutekunst. It depends on Christian Watson. It depends on Romeo Dobbs. It depends on, you know, Tom Brady, if he comes back or leaves. I don't think so. I think it's going to come down to, I love football. I love my, my freedom and, and being able to travel and all that kind of stuff. And I hate the grind of football. And I'm going to weigh that out. I'm going to put it on the scales and we're going to see where, where it leaves us, you know, and there's a dash of, you know, how good I think the team is going to be and which is a, a small portion of it. And then an even smaller portion of it is how good are we going to be as a result of Watson and Dobbs? I mean, that's, that's a smaller piece of a small piece of the puzzle of how good is the team going to be? Um, 
So we, we're, we're always trying to dissect all these really weird th- reasons why Rodgers is or isn't going to come back. But I, I just, I, I, I don't and never really have bought into all the extra noise. It's just going to be, you know, when football's over, he's going to love it and he's going to enjoy it. And it's just a matter of, do I want to just keep doing this for the rest of my life as, as far as just enjoying this? Or do I want to go back and do it again? And, and again, I, I think he'll come back. I think he will, but I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm pretty close to 50-50 on it being either way. And, and, and honestly, that goes for the money too, even though I do think that's a, a big piece of it because you have to really want to not play to walk away from that amount of money. Um, but I still, nothing is disqualifying. And I think that's what we want to do too much is to make things definitive. He'll, he can't walk away from that much money. Yes, he can. He won't retire the same year as Brady. Yes, he will. If he wants to, he will. If he wants to retire, Tom Brady is not going to make a difference. I think that's silly. Anyways, the only other thing that was talked about, uh, two things. Rogers did his uh, book club. It's a COVID book. Not sure what it's about, but I'm sure you could probably guess. And then they talked about UFOs, which every time people talk about UFOs, I just roll my eyes. Uh, and Rogers does his whole, well, it's obviously a, a UFO because UFO just means unidentified flying object. It doesn't mean like aliens, although that's clearly what's implied. Which I hate when people do that. Like, you, you try to get all s- into the semantics to try to, like, win an argument when really you're, you're trying to imply what I'm saying anyways, but it wasn't a UFO. This could not be any more clear to me that it was like those, you know, those spotlights? Maybe rural Wisconsin isn't used to this, but I remember this, like, in Illinois, you'd always see, like, the light going through the sky. That's very obviously what this is. You can see, because they show a bunch of different angles, the where they'll kind of like converge and then come back and then go around and all these different... It, it's not a freaking alien ship. <laughs> come on, man. They're lights. They're lights. Somebody had those, those, like the five different spotlights that go around in circles or whatever. And yeah, when they come back together and then go down the middle and toward each other, yeah, it looks it looks like they're flying toward each other and then going down a straight line. And the, and the fact that one of the videos, the lady's like, oh, show me again. So it happened like three or four or five times. By the way, that's why so many people are recording it. They didn't happen to be recording the sky and then boom, lights appear. The reason they're recording is because they just saw lights and they saw it again. They probably saw it three or four or five times and they're like, what is that? Then they pull out their phones and record it. And sure enough, it happens again. You know why? Because the lights are just going in circles. So it's just going to keep happening over and over again. Plus, you can tell by the sky, it's really like um, foggy looking. So you're going to really pick up that light. Come on, guys. Come on. UFOs. One of the angles is very obvious because you can see them kind of, they all go up in one spot and then they fan out and kind of come back around in a circle. That's very obviously what that is. It's four lights that go up in the same way and then they kind of spread a fan out from each other. It's, it's just a way to like draw you in. Like, hey, there's something cool going on over here. So you're supposed to follow the lights to it or whatever. I don't know how that works, but that's what it is. But anyways, Google spotlights in the sky. It looks a lot like that video, if you don't believe me. Anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. We didn't get to PFF. We'll do that tomorrow. Some good stuff there. Uh, You guys have yourselves a fantastic day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye.